Tonight is, we're talking about the ministry of pancakes. Mmm, pancakes. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm going to keep this message short so that we'll actually be able to uh, spend some time just at the end of the service to eat some Welsh pancakes that Elsie has provided for us, as well as some other delicious goodies back there, and to just build some relationship and put this message into practice. Because we're wrapping up our series, Unexpected Encounters, the beauty, the mess, and the hope. And I came across this specific message a couple months ago, the Ministry of Pancakes. I was flipping through my wife's Bible. She has a She Reads Truth Bible, and it has inspirational quotes and and uh, writings, and there was actually a page called the Ministry of Pancakes, and it was this lady telling her story about how she was ministered to by pancakes, and she was expecting, she was tired, she was sick, sleep-deprived, trying to manage uh, another demanding toddler, and and it it jumped out because it it related to where my wife and I are at with a three-year-old and one-year-old at home. And this particular story, she just kind of shares about how this woman from her church, who she didn't know too well, picked up the phone one night and called her and said, I'd like you to come over to my house tomorrow. Don't get dressed up. Just wear your pajamas. Bring your toddler. And I'm going to make you breakfast. I'm going to make you pancakes. And this lady admits to not really knowing why she accepted the offer. Um, she, she normally prefers to kind of dress up and make herself look like she has it all together before heading out of the house. But nevertheless, she picked up her kid, they went off, and they had pancakes together. And that simple gesture of compassion, it stuck with her long after those pancakes were eaten. She just remembers being able to sit there and enjoy a meal that was made for her and not have to worry about cleaning up the dishes afterwards. And it had me thinking about the impact pancakes have had in my life. And the first memory that came to my mind about the impact of pancakes and the ministry of pancakes was when I was a youth pastor, we used to run the 30-hour famine every April. And we'd get the the youth to participate in this, and we would all start fasting at midnight, uh, Friday morning, 12 a.m., We'd go all day Friday without eating, and then uh, 6 a.m., Saturday morning, is when we could eat again. Now, what we would also do is have an all-nighter for the youth at 8 p.m. to 8 a.m., and that way it kind of tired them out. They were low on energy by the evening. Uh, We could keep up with them a bit that night, and then they didn't know this, but they thought they were there for an all-nighter, but I would put on a movie around midnight, and they would all crash because they were so deprived of food. (laughs) But then this man from our church, Otto, who was this tall Dutch guy, and he would come in and he would make fresh pancakes. He'd get there at about 6 a.m., and we'd let the the youth sleep in until about 7. And if they hadn't woken up already from the smell of fresh pancakes, we would then go wake them up to a spread of fresh pancakes, blueberries, strawberries, everything to put on top. Those pancakes tasted so good. In my mind, Otto is one of the best pancake makers that I know. After not having eaten for 30 hours, to wake up to a fresh meal and to share it with others who've experienced the same thing. 
And then this brings us to the story of Jesus found in John chapter 21. So this is happening after Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, and he's appeared to his disciples already twice. So this is his third time appearing. And I'm just going to paraphrase it. If you want to follow along in, in your Bibles, I'm starting right in verse 1 chapter of chapter 21 of John. And there's seven disciples gathered together. And Peter says, you know what, I'm going to go fishing. To which they all agree, let's go together. So they go out, they get in the boat, and they're fishing that night. And they catch nothing. And just as day's breaking, Jesus stands on the shore. And the disciples can see someone off in the distance, but they didn't realize it was Jesus. So Jesus calls out to them, good morning, did you catch anything? No. Well, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you'll find something. So imagine being an experienced fisherman and being told what to do. After a long night of catching nothing, I, I imagine I'd be quite frustrated. But they threw it on the right side. And suddenly they caught so many fish that they weren't strong enough to pull it in. And suddenly they realized it was Jesus. So I just want to pause here for a moment to take notice of what happened. The disciples are sitting around together. They weren't sure what to do. So what did they decide to do? They went back to their old ways of doing things. Old habits die hard. I can so relate to these guys because I hate the unknown. I don't like not knowing what's coming up, having some control over things. The worst is when someone calls me so if you ever want to absolutely drive me crazy, you call me up and say, Kev, we need to talk and hang up. <laughs> Schedule it for next week. That, the weight of that just drives me insane. I need to know. You'll probably get a phone call back saying, can I prepare what it's for? What, what do you want to talk about? And I imagine that this is what the disciples were kind of wrestling with. See, they had followed Jesus throughout his ministry on earth. And then Jesus, they had witnessed his resurrection and he came back and appeared to them twice. But they're sitting around thinking, what's next? They're not quite sure of what they were to do. So they went back to their old ways of doing things. And I'm sure Peter's sitting there looking to stay busy because he's also reliving the fact that he denied Jesus three times. Not just once, not twice, but three times. So I'm sure as a previous fisherman, he's thinking, well, let's just stay busy. Let's go fishing. It's what I know how to do. It's what I'm comfortable doing. And it was believed that that night or at night was the best time to catch fish as they would pool together and they could scoop them off the top and not just to have a meal the next morning but also to be able to sell at the market the next day. But it just hit me. How often, when we're unsure of what to do, do we go back to old habits? Or perhaps we encounter stressful situations in our life and it sets off a trigger and we revisit old habits, old ways of doing things unhealthy outlets. And why? Because it's easy. It's comforting. It gives us that sense of control. But Jesus is about to shift their paradigm. 
He's about to show them this new way forward. In verse 9, he calls his fishing friends over to the shore. And Peter's so anxious to be with Jesus that he actually jumps out of the boat and swims the hundred yards to get to him. But when the disciples all get to shore, they see that Jesus has made breakfast. Jesus invites them to bring some of their fish that they just caught and to sit down and eat with them. You see, again, it's a simple gesture that demonstrates profound care and compassion. Jesus met his friends' physical needs before offering them an even better portion. So what's more is that this actually reminds me of the learning paradigm. And as the, the illustration shows, the participatory teaching methods have so much better rates for retention and retaining what you've learned. And the reason that this jumps out at me is Jesus is showing them what to do. Jesus has already modeled and taught them throughout his life, but now again, he's reminding them that they'll be doing, that they'll be teaching others soon enough. So Jesus makes breakfast for them. He sits down, he eats with them. He's showing them what it means to be present with others. And then in verse 15, during a post-breakfast stroll, Jesus gives Peter three chances to, de to declare his love. And, and I love this because there's this, this uh, equalization between for every time Peter denied Jesus, Peter gets to make a proclamation. Jesus initiates reconciliation and he offers mercy. He keeps asking Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Peter's, yes, I love you, Lord. Yes, I love you, Lord. So he says, feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. In other words, go, be present with others. Go, take care of others. Go, teach others. And do you think Jesus might just be helping Peter remember and retain everything that he's learned from the past few years? Absolutely. It's through relationship that we encounter Jesus. It's through you that others will encounter Jesus, and it's through others that you'll encounter Jesus. Because you see, we encounter Jesus as we embrace others and meet their needs. And this has been the unexpected encounter for me, is seeing Jesus in others. I actually ran into uh, Keith this morning over at Starbucks. And he, he called me on it that I would share this story. He asked how things were going. And, and I was sitting next to a, to a guy this morning who started asking me about my MacBook and then started asking me about what I was studying as I was preparing for this message tonight. And he admitted that he was a Buddhist. And I said, okay, wow. And he's like, but I love Jesus. He's, he's a really fascinating guy. He's like, I, I've actually met him twice. And I'm like, okay. So we just talked and he shared about a house that he bought from a, a Christian, he, and the light that he, he discovered with living in the house. And, and he shared about one of his other friends who's Muslim, and through a vision and dream, how, how that person actually came to know Jesus. And he's like, so I'm pretty fascinated with it. And it actually isn't hitting me until this very moment that even through this conversation, and being 
worlds apart in our beliefs, Jesus is at work. We can see Jesus in others. And it just reminds me of the Gospel of Matthew, where Jesus says, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was homeless and you gave me a room. I was shivering and you gave me clothes. I was sick and you stopped to visit. I was in prison and you came to me. The beautiful thing about this is that it's not just a one-way encounter. We encounter Jesus through others, just as they encounter Jesus through us. But you see, we often want the simple approach. We want to just invite someone to church and have someone else kind of share the word. Because sometimes, if it's a coworker or a family member, it's, it's awkward to have to open up about your own personal relationship and your own faith. So it, it, it might be easier to just invite them somewhere that they'll hear it elsewhere and you don't really have to pull back the layers. Or the, the one thing that I still can't believe happened in, in my past was this one lady who would buy tracks that looked like crumpled up money. And she was so passionate about this and she would like drop them around the grocery store and, and put them in vending machines. And really? I don't know about you, but if I found fake money and it had the gospel message, I know as a believer that that's more valuable than what I thought was $5, but that's not putting the right message in my mind. Another time I was standing at this bus stop and I was at Trinity Western out in BC uh, studying Christianity and culture, but this other guy came up to me and said, you look like you're lost, young man. And I literally was lost at the bus stop, but he gave me a tract, and I realized he thought I was spiritually lost, which, again, I thought, really? And I think this is where Jesus is showing us the importance of being present. That's what we celebrated at the Lord's table, that, that remembering that God's with us, that God is present with us, and he's for us. And if he's for us, then who can be against us? You see, our world is desperate for presence. And what's more present than breakfast, than eating together, by sharing coffee or tea together? It's not always easy. It's not always comfortable. It's not always clean. But it's going to allow us to be present to what truly matters, and that's people. So we need to create space to be present with people. Starbucks even knows this rule because the baristas are tasked with the, the job of getting to know their customers, of, of knowing uh, their order so that when you come in, they follow up with previous conversations, they know your name, they can have your stuff ready for you or at least get it going more quickly. And before Canada got the gold card program that uh, the U.S. had. They had a top 100 customers, and I actually made it in four of the seven Starbucks that was by our place, and I was like, yes! I was so proud of it. But it was a place I wanted to be because it was a place where I was known. And I still remember coming up to one Starbucks, and this guy pulls out his phone, and he's like, I'm going to be a dad, and he's showing me the ultrasound. And I, I feel bad because I, I don't remember that guy's name, but he knew mine. But it was a place where you just felt like you belonged. And I could sit there with my coffee, work all day, 
But my prayer is that this place here, that the Well Community Church, will be a time when we connect with each other and we connect with God, that it will be a place where we're known, that it's a place that allows us to be present with each other, flaws and all. I know even the kids talked about, uh, the kids program talked about having a pajama night. And I'm like, man, I would love to be part of a pajama night. I love my sweats. But our vision is to make Jesus known, to see lives changed, to transform our community. And that's why we set up that banner at the back each week to remind us of that. And the way we see that fleshing out is by connecting, growing, giving, going. And it's not going like, see you later, we don't want to see you again. It's going to the places that God already has you and where he's at work and asking you to participate with him. So my prayer is that when we come together, we fix our eyes upon Jesus. We remember he's present with us and calls us to be present with others. And just as in this text, in John 21, a new day is dawning. So just as Jesus appeared on the beach as day was breaking, calling out to the disciples, I believe he's doing the exact same with us. He's calling out to us. He's inviting us to be present with him. So what areas in your life have you been working hard all night and getting nowhere? Watch for the dawn. Watch for the figure on the shore. Listen for his voice. And then do whatever he tells you. And just in closing, perhaps following Jesus is simpler than we think. Offer grace. Pursue reconciliation. Forgive freely. Whenever possible, love others well by serving them. Pancakes are optional.